0: Grace from the CSE and welcome to our first podcast episode. Uh, We're here today at the top of the BMO tower located on Bay Street. Um, CSE just moved in and uh, we opened up our podcast studio, our very first podcast studio. And I'm here today with Miranda Wurzczyk and that's how you pronounce your last name? Absolutely correct. (laughs) And Miranda is the senior vice president at IBK Capital Miranda, thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Grace. It is an absolute pleasure to be here
1: for the first uh, podcast, the inaugural podcast from uh, the BMO Tower. Um, Yes, I have been working in resource mining finance for 25 years Mm -hmm. at IBK Capital. Um, It's been quite an interesting ride, let me tell you that. I, I come from a slightly different background from your typical investment banker, uh, I have a biology degree, an anthropology degree, and then I have business on top of that. So I'd like to think I bring a slightly different uh, view into the resource finance world.
0: Great. So I've known Miranda for probably, five, has it been five years? Five years, five five years. Yes. Yeah. yes. And uh, I used to see, I call Miranda <laughs> the pink of the resource sector because... When I was in London, England, I just see, like, she's she looks exactly like pink, if, de- if anyone doesn't. I'm going to throw up, up a picture of Miranda on the screen so everybody can <laughs> see that she looks like pink, and she and she has the energy, um, just amazing energy, and, uh, you know, I, I dubbed that name in London, England, when I saw you kind of very, running you know, across running the conference around. floor, yeah, <laughs> with yeah. my, my electric blonde hair standing straight up. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. That's <laughs> where you can find her. And um, I actually saw in your bio that it was like um, ex- excited, excited personality or something in your bio. I was like, yep, yep, they nailed it. Excellent interpersonal skills. I'm like, yeah. Well, in those kinds of things, you have to kind of, you know, be
1: very uh, calm, cool, collected, yep. right? But but it's certainly the one dimension
0: of me is very different from the three dimension of me. <laughs> <laughs> the three dimension of <laughs> Uh, so, Marietta, I just wanted i wanted to talk to you, um, like, wh- what is it like to... You have over 25 years experience at IBK Capital. Yes. And so what's it like to work um, there for 25 years? I mean, millennials... We kind of jump around. They the were known for jumping around from job to job. I mean, within five, three years, but twenty-five years—like, <laughs> what? What is that like? Yeah, So, uh, yeah, I graduated from uh, my second degree in nineteen
1: ninety-two. So, I, I had an opportunity at that time. Um, I sort of moved around, got uh, got my toe in the water for a couple in a couple of finance jobs, um, and I ended up at IBK. Um, it's a small family-run uh, private investment bank. At mm-hmm. that time, there were six people in the office. Uh, and so I joined a team uh, who was quite unique in funding early-stage resource opportunities. Uh, the, the beauty of working for a small firm like that is that uh, you, you become a family. So uh, I've grown up with my president. I've worked with him for 25 years, side by side, the chairman. Obviously, people come and go, um, but I've remained there for 25 years. And I I have had the opportunity to grow into the person that I am today um, as a senior vice president. Um, It's been uh, interesting through multiple commodity cycles um, market crashes bull markets bear markets um, yeah I, I have to say i 've got a lot of support um, being a small firm it's easier uh, in some ways to get your boots on the ground right, right. And, and i've had i've had good support to do that
0: that 's excellent that's and when you first got uh, when you first started i ivk did you see that ladder like you were like i, I can really Kind of make something of my career here. I, I
1: think so, um, because it was we were so small, and yeah. there was so much opportunity to carve uh, carve your own path. Um, I uh, am unique, I would say, um, when I started as a woman in finance in this business. I don't think there's there's a lot of us, but uh, there are many who have sort of toughed it out over the last twenty five years. Um, and I, I really saw an opportunity where I, I could I could create. Uh, my own brand within the IBK brand um,
0: and I just I work towards that I work towards that Great yeah. and and um, did you ever when you were there um, as a woman uh, in finance were you ever did you ever see any of the issues that are talked about today about kind of women in finance and how they're treated or um, you know it was it was
1: 1994 when I started at IBK uh, so you know there. My mom's an academic, career academic. Fifty years in academics, she talks about all the issues. My aunt was an engineer at IBM um, and talked about the issues. I don't, you know, those those have been around for a very long time. I think you just have to really work hard um, and try to to manage. Uh, yourself and manage your opportunities. Um, obviously, yes, they were there um, but you just have to keep your head down and keep focused. Right? Yeah yeah, no, I know I, <laughs> I see
0: the, I give the same advice yeah. I mean I, I'm al- I don't know what I'm always in a room with only men and I you know so, some of my girlfriends will say, well what don't you feel like you're you know um, different than them in the room and I always say, I just don't see myself like that like as long as you can do your job, and do it well and you know what I mean it's just it's it does happen obviously yeah we've all experienced we've all
1: experienced uh
0: uncomfortable situations yeah um for many
1: years I was the only woman in the room Mm -hmm. um we do a lot of work in Europe so somewhat of a unique commodity there as as a woman uh in these meetings uh, road shows presentations um but, you know, you just, you continue to put your head down and focus on, on the job at hand.
0: Yeah. yeah. Is it different, the different feel in Europe than here? Um,
1: yeah, I think uh, the the vibe there is a little bit different. Um, maybe, I, I hate to say, it, sort of slightly more old world. <laughs> but, but you know, I, I think uh, when I was in London at Minds and Money in December, I, I was on a panel about... About diversity, and it's not just diversity of, of gender, but of of all groups of people, of of ethnicity, of LGBT. Trying to bring uh, a more diverse uh, diverse workforce into the mining business, um, and and those conversations have been around for a long time, and I think people are finally starting starting to pay attention and move forward on that because it really is at the end of the day the best person for the job right? yep. I mean, you really have to focus on the best person for the job but yeah i mean we you and i have both faced probably some interesting oh yeah <laughs> conversations and situations <laughs> so but you just you, you uh you know you always take the high road you act, act gracefully
0: and you just continue to move forward yeah exactly and um, and would you say, you know with with being in this industry in the resource sector for over twenty five years, would you say that you're doing what you love
1: yes uh, i I am a a really good people person mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I am loud and noisy and uh, for lack of a better word I am really good at engaging with people. Um, Some people have even gone as far as to call me a a unicorn from that perspective in terms of networking and connecting people. Um, And I don't know where that came from. You could probably talk to my mom and say that it was a fairly loud, noisy child who just kind of (laughs) (laughs) marched around in a a full-blown Sagittarius mode. Um, But I I really like what I do. And I like the people that I, I meet in this business. Um, they, are, they are my friends. And mm-hmm. I have the opportunity to travel the world uh, and meet people, new people each and every day. And I could probably land in any major city and, and know people and call those people friends of mine through the business, mm-hmm. right? Which is, which is, I think, uh, a huge blessing. And it, it really is a gift to be able to do that kind of work.
0: Yeah, no, I, I always say finance is a great industry to be in because you meet people from all lines of work. It's not just focused on one sector. And, uh, you know, one time I was at a resource conference and I met someone who owned like a vineyard and was yep. just like talking to me about wine for like 20, 30 minutes. Never, and I was like, you cool. You <laughs> never know who
1: you're going to you run into. We were on a site visit in Columbia. This was 10 years ago. And one of the guys that came down owned the largest dairy farm in California. And he somehow was interested in mining and he was extremely articulate, extremely intelligent. And, and he, we were stomping around a project in Columbia, Wow. No. Yeah. wow, wow, wow. <laughs> I can't draw any parallels there, unfortunately. <laughs> but to your point about meeting yeah. somebody no, who exactly. right? Just yeah. you never know who's going to be around the corner, and you yeah. never know the people you're going to
0: meet. Right? Exactly. Um, so just I wanted to um, – a, a lot of the reason why I wanted to talk to you today, other than your vibrant and, uh, you know, personality, um, I wanted to also talk to you about um, – you taking an active role in finance advisory assignments. So, um, your recent highlights include working with Cobalt Blockchain, a junior company focused on building a metals trading business in the DRC to source conflict-free cobalt and other min- minerals. But for the topic of the, uh, for the conversation today, I just want to talk mostly about cobalt because in through when I started at the CSC, I've um, I have to do a lot of research before I talk to speakers, and one of the things that interests me was um, cobalt being a conflict mineral. Um, So you're kind of working with this company that builds, is using proprietary blockchain-based traceability platform. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Sure. So cobalt blockchain um, is is an absolutely uh,
1: amazing opportunity. Uh, We started working with the company in late 2017, we had a relationship with one of the principals through a a gold company that we had worked with here in Ontario. Uh, They had set up a a private uh, trading business in the Congo to trade uh, the three Ts, tin, tantalum, and tungsten under ITSKI, which is effectively a paper-based trading system. Um, They came to us um, because they had started to look at some cobalt opportunities, um, artisanal-scale operations in in the Congo, uh, and the price of cobalt at the time had skyrocketed from, you know, demand. EVs uh, were starting to really pop up into people's radar. Uh, cobalt, lithium, graphite, nickel—all those commodities were starting to 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 ping on people's uh, investment uh, horizons. So we we set about trying uh, uh, trying to get some some activity and work going with them. Um, Cobalt blockchain was uh, was created through um, uh, essentially a reverse takeover of a of a shell. Uh, it's a public company listed on the TSXV, uh, and what they wanted to do um, is to look to source uh, uh, cobalt, ethically sourced cobalt out of the Congo, out of these out of these artisanal scale operations. Um, several years ago, there was a report put out by Amnesty International. Um, uh, uh, highlighting and, and documenting um, child, lib, child labor and other issues at artisanal scale sites uh, in the Congo. So children digging for cobalt, um, you know, these these sites are, are they look like beehives. With yeah, the sheer- no, wait,
0: I, I heard I, when I was at, this is the first time I've heard of artisanal mm-hmm, mining. Right. And when I was at PDAC, they were telling me, you know, that, um, they leave um, holes in the ground yeah. because they don't know how to clean up after there's, the mining.
1: There's so there are pits dug you know down thirty meters down. There's there's no safety around it. Um, you know they are digging with with uh, axes and picks. There's no there's no environmental uh, conversation or discussion. It, it is it is like bees on a beehive digging uh, cobalt out of the ground. Right. Wow. Um, so, uh, all of a sudden with a, a, a new generation of people and the Apples and the Googles and the Samsungs of the world looking, saying, wait a minute, um, we're actually putting this material into our, our batteries, right? Where is it coming from? How is it getting out of the ground? Is it responsibly sourced? Is it, is, is there a supply chain, um, uh, traceability, how do we how do we make sure that the the commodity that we're getting at the end of the day so from mines to market is is responsibly and ethically sourced um, there are initiatives out there fair trade fair mine which look to to put parameters and guidelines around sourcing these materials uh, the OECD has a, a five pillar uh, approach to responsible mineral supply chains right so there there has been a huge push forward to to look to to how do we put structure around the supply chain, right? So so Cobalt Blockchain uh, wanted to f- take a look at these artisanal sites and then and then use technology, which I think is going to be a key driver in in building sustainable businesses, mining businesses going forward uh, for traceability, an immutable record that cannot
0: be changed, so from mine to market. Right. Oh. And so, is this a new idea? No, I don't just mean the technology, but the focus on the sustainability around mining. Do you think that this, when you first started in this industry, is this something that's like new that you're uh, hearing about? Yes, people absolutely. Are taking interest, absolutely. Okay. I think um,
1: through 25 years, um, you know, we've uh, we've had a, a. When I started, there was a particular way of doing business, right? Mm-hmm. So. Companies would go in. They would they would do their initial work, exploration, development, production, right? Um, but we have to know that that land isn't ours. First yeah. of all, it doesn't belong to the company. It belongs to uh, local indigenous people, local groups. It's owned by private landowners. Uh, there is a whole social, environmental ecosystem uh, that that surrounds. Um, these mindsets. So you're looking at communities, you're looking at the environment, socioeconomic status, health, education, um, all those those variables, and there's many, many more um, to to try and look. How do we how do we go in and actually do business in a sustainable, um, professional manner that engages all stakeholders? Right. Yeah. So not, it's not just it's not just. Uh, you know, shareholders of the public company or private company that benefit. But but you have to go in uh, at the very beginning with those conversations now because you need to talk to the communities. You need to talk to the people. You need to understand what kind of physical environment or ecosystem you're working in. Um, anthropologists, sociologists, biologists, engineers, all these people need to be involved um, in order to build what I think is is a sustainable business going forward, you can even look at it as like a, a building a social enterprise around yeah. especially if we're talking about artisanal scale operations that these operations are are are, are unstructured um, in some ways some some are structured by co ops but many are just are two or three people working working on a site right right day to day existence right so how do you how do you translate um, those operations? Um, and put technical structure around them, put, put financeable structure around them, right? So, and then, um, land, okay, how do we ensure that this is responsibly sourced, right? Right. The whole concept of responsible mineral supply chains, right? And so we, we know that it's, there's no child labor. There are no, uh, pregnant women digging in those pits, right? So you want to, we're trying to build better businesses and better, better mining businesses going forward. I think.
0: Yeah, one of the things I um, learned about artisanal mining at PDAC was they were saying that one of the most effective ways to kind of um, stop artisanal mining is to educate them, um, you know, local people on um, what they're doing and how, and you know, the importance of like cleaning up after mining and 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 so how how do you think that you're gonna um, Teach locals about this blockchain technology. It is a very complex concept. I,
1: I think it's that's a very good question. I, I mean, I think artisanal mining has been around for centuries. Mm-hmm. Right. So people people working the land to extract um, uh, metal um, for livelihood. Um, you know, artisanal operations are, are a good place to start for a mining company because. Many of those have been producing for decades. You don't have any quantifiable resource per se, but you know that year over year they produce ten, twelve thousand 12,000 ounces of material, whether it's gold or or silver or whatever the commodity is. Um, It is is a huge process of education uh, because uh you know uh, there have been incidences in Latin America where they use mercury for for gold extraction, and it's caused huge environmental issues right so so getting people on the ground uh to 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 work with these communities uh and these groups out of the gate um, is is a huge task and it's a huge challenge right i mean it's it's how do you deploy enough people to get on the ground to you're looking at cultural differences, you're looking at cultural ecosystems, you're looking at um, can men actually talk to women, can women talk to men, you know, there's this whole other side that you need to think about, um, that you can't just drop in somebody and go, we're going to teach you about blockchain today and this is going to solve all your problems. That, that is, That's not the way to do it, right? It's going to be a long, um, very finite um, specific process of education for these people, because at the end of the day um, and we talked about this um, in a conversation I had with a group called the Artisanal Gold Council. Is that you know, really people just want to make it better for their children, so the next generation. How do we make things better um, so our children aren't doing? Or, or functioning the way we function today, right? So right. there's a real, a real focus on on improving lives today for the next generation, um, and that, you know, that's all we want to do, right? Is make it better for our our children and their children, right? So that was a very compelling conversation to have for people that have been on the ground at some of these artisanal sites globally. That it's, we just we just want to make it better, right? And how how do we do that? And how can you help us do that within our Cultural structure, our cultural reference points, um, you know, the environment we work in, uh, all that um, is is critical. It really is critical.
0: Yeah, Um, yeah. I I mean, I guess their initial instinct would be like that. You guys would be a threat to them. Absolutely, absolutely.
1: And I and I think I think you know we the the older model is that the you know companies would come in. We're just we're just going to work the ground, right? We're not going to really necessarily have. Conversations with people, but but today, um, if you are doing any kind of exploration, you have to you have to engage with those local communities. All the local stakeholders need to be involved and have conversations. I mean, we did work with a a company, Junior, in Columbia ten years ago, and before they even set foot on the ground, for any sampling or anything, they held town hall meetings with all three local communities. They anything. sat down. They said. This is what we're looking to do. We're going to do a census of all the people. We're going to do a health survey of all the women and children in the in the communities. Uh, we are going to hire local geologists, which they did. Um, and and it was it. I mean, people think this costs a lot of money, but it didn't. I was just
0: about to say, they, like, like, do were, they allocate a certain cost? They they, they,
1: they were a junior exploration company with a limited budget, wow. and they said this is what we're going to do. So when we went down for the site visit. We were not strangers. We were not told to go away. There was no animosity. It was it was a very fluid conversation. And they hired local geologists. And they took care of the local people. And they built a school. And they and they looked after people's uh, health and welfare. It was ten years ago for a junior company to do that was 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 incredible to be honest right. and that project just started production sown in the northern miner last week in
0: columbia wow okay so you think that they're going to be like a staple example uh for other junior mining companies. i think so i
1: think it's people uh, people need to talk more about yeah. what they're doing and and share um hey we did this on the ground and it worked or how did you find that um did that work for you um, you know, I've been to the IFC, Sustainability Exchange. I've, you know, spoken with the OECD. I've spoken at Art Mines Money, um, around all this, these kind of topics about building um, sustainable mining businesses, right? And what does that look like? What does it mean? What do we need to do, right? And people are very good at keeping the information to themselves yep. when, when we really should be... Telling people. Telling people yep. and sharing, sharing how we had successes, right? And also sharing, well, this didn't work why didn't it work right so i really th- i really think we need the dialogue needs to be uh bigger and broader um and it's the smaller companies too that they're that, that are a little more nimble sometimes that can get things done they, yes absolutely they may not have the budgets to do it but but they made it work and it went a huge long way for for building that company over yeah. a
0: decade are yeah. you finding that um so a lot of the focus to with millennial investors. Everyone's asking, where are millennials going to invest? How are they going to invest? I'm finding, I'm reading a lot about how millennials kind of are looking towards investing in things that are sustainable. Are you seeing this um, affecting investors today? Like they're looking for, oh, how are you um you know mining sustainably. I I
1: think so. I mean, I I have two young daughters, youngish. Um and uh, the 17-year-old has asked me multiple times where where does the stuff in my cell phone come from. Hmm. right? What what does it look like? How does it get out of the ground? Who's pulling it out of the ground, right? Um and she's 17, so the the the, the group ahead of her, um those questions have already been asked, right? And so I the The resource business has to be able to be um, answering those questions yep. right and so so we talked about blockchain technology um, you know for traceability and immutability, right a record that cannot be changed, distributed ledger you know input um, all through the supply chain um, uh, market right so you've 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 got a record of of that um, commodity. There are groups, there are artisanal groups, you know, tracing gram by gram what's coming out of the ground, right? Yeah. Um, because because refiners want fair mind products, right? Um, so you know, there's a, a shift um, on the gold side. People looking, you know, Responsible Jewelry Council. Where is your gold coming from? Uh, refineries. Uh, Where is the gold coming from? Is it is it is it is it sourced ethically? Is there is there some way to that's been sourced ethically Um, we really I think need to look at you know technology and innovation to to build these um, sustainable businesses of the future I mean uh, at PDAC I had a chance to wander around um, the trade show um, and just look at uh, what kind of technology and innovation is out there because I think the business has been criticized right that we don't we don't innovate very quickly um, and we are slow to make those transitions but, you know, MindSense, a company out of Vancouver, um, doing some very cool work on real-time geology. Yeah. Um, we talked about blockchain traceability, DLT Labs, uh, Blockhead Technologies, MindSpider, right? Um, protocols are already in place for, for traceability. Um, there are mine processing groups, right, that are that are out there with new technology to look at processing, Uh a company out of New Zealand called TrueScape looking at 3D visualization of of projects and sites taking complex data and translating it into uh, a very easily understood 3D visualization where you can you can adjust the variable the variables you can look at sensitivity analyses and go oh okay that's what it looks like that's what the mine's going to look like in 10 years and 12 years and 15 years right so yeah. some really phenomenal innovation um, that I think will 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 make a difference on on how how we build our business going forward.
0: Do you think that was a, a, a big topic that was discussed at PDAC this year? Was was innovative technology? Uh, is that another angle? Uh,
1: are I, at? I I think so. You know, I, I, and PDAC is a you know it's twenty six thousand of your best friends roaming around yeah. Toronto. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, so and it, one pink and one <laughs> resource pink. <laughs> um, um, <laughs> it's certainly if you if you look to. Uh, uh, the groups like the Minds and Money groups, they have a, uh, a minds and technology um, stream, right? Okay. So they really are in parallel to the minds and money, so the money side of it, because nothing can happen, we all know, unless you have capital, right? Mm-hmm. So this is this is where we come in, right? We raise the capital for companies to be able to execute, Right. Um, but the technology in order we 're going into places we 've never been before we 're going deeper into the earth we 're we're, we're mining lower grades um, we, we need to be able to figure out how to do it better. We need to look at health uh, health and worker safety uh, how does how is that impacted? Um, communication underground um, productivity how do we how do we improve productivity so you know the minds of technology guys are looking at okay what kind of really cool innovation is out there. That will allow us to do that, and and I think if you build technology and innovation um, with real with smart, capable teams, um, we will be able to get um, into you know building these sustainable businesses um, and taking into account all stakeholders.
0: Yeah, right? like that all just one big circle. One big it's circle, right? Yeah.
1: So not you know not looking at it as independent little pods of people, but yeah. but making sure everybody's connected and everybody's on the same page, right from the start. Right, because it's far better. We all know this to be proactive than reactive.
0: Yeah, yeah. Right? No. So
1: if we if we set the stage and set the groundwork out of the gate, um, I, I think it, it's going to be it's going to be much better for the business.
0: Yeah. yeah, and and so and lastly, just on this topic, why did you choose this um, this project to work on? Which the uh, the blockchain. The blockchain. Yeah.
1: I, I think um, we took a look at it uh, as a unique. A unique business model, right? Okay. Uh, a small junior company um, uh, using technology and innovation to 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 make a difference, right? To make a difference, um, because all you know the the majors are the majors have the capacity, You know, um, Gold Corp and Yamana De Beers have traceability systems that they're working with, you know, blockchain based, um, but you know, specific to cobalt and artisanal-scale operations. Um, you know, they are unique. They are
0: unique. They yeah. Are unique, yeah. Right? And, and do you see, um, I mean, I was reading a little bit about this project and, and um, they're saying that cobalt in de- will be... Um, in, of a deficit in 2023. So, where do, do you see any other minerals that they could be using for, for electric vehicles?
1: Yeah, so there's, I mean, there's been a lot of conversation um, about the the battery composition, right? So. Nickel, lithium, cobalt, um, graphite. What are you know? What are the specific percentages that you need? Uh, I think we're uh, we're uh, you know, if you if you read uh, recent articles, of information, we're a ways off uh, in terms of phasing out uh, cobalt. Uh, cobalt adds stability to the batteries, um, mm-hmm. so you know that's going to take a lot of research, energy, um, and intelligence to 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 find the right uh, the right chemistry. I mean, we're always interested. Uh, looking at, at opportunities, obviously in the nickel space, um, we've looked at graphite, uh, lithium, we've done work in copper, uh, gold, silver, right? But, you know, with this real push into the electrification of the world, mm-hmm. um, and not just car batteries in terms of, you know, storage batteries, big batteries for for. Uh, power scale, right? Um, you know, there's a huge. It's a huge shift, right? And we yes. need to figure out where we're going to get those commodities.
0: I had to say electrification, um, you know, the other day on camera, and I was like, imagine saying electrification ten times. Do that ten <laughs> times, so uh, you yeah. No, I, and you're like, what you know, what
1: <laughs> no, I, yeah, it would be embarrassing. It would be too much. <laughs>
0: Um, and so just, I just want to um, briefly just, I, I saw that you, you know, with your busy work schedule um, and uh, you, you've got your extracurricular financial assignments um, like um, Cobalt Blockchain, but also I noticed that you're a member of the Prospectors and Developers Association of Canada, the Canadian Institute of Mining. Um, and you're also vice chair of Women in Mining. Um, can you tell us a little bit about, um, especially the one uh, your experience being the vice chair of Women in Mining? That's right. pretty cool. So that's been, uh,
1: you know, I've been in this business for 25 years. I joined Women in Mining Toronto probably about 12 years ago, just as a just to go go see what it was all about. And and I met some phenomenal women who are still some of my best friends today. Um, really trying to bring together women uh, in the business to to talk about what we do how we do it how maybe we could do it better um i i had kids came you know back and forth came back but then uh, i came back to it a couple years ago thinking okay i've been in this business a long time how can i with my experience and knowledge and network and wisdom and and all that uh, get involved. Uh, so I actually joined WIM UK. So I'm a member of WIM UK. I'm also a member of International Women in Mining, um, uh, and and became uh, co vice chair of WIM Toronto last year because because we really wanted to reframe Women in Mining in Toronto to to look to bring together uh, women in this business to connect, share, and inspire. Right. So that that is our that is our that is our motto. Right. So how do we how do we continue the dialogue? How do we, how do we lay the groundwork for for the young women coming, like yourself, coming behind us? Right. Yeah. I've been doing this for 25 years. I'm, hopefully, I'll be doing it for many more years ahead of me. But, but how do we create an environment where ideas can be shared? How do we open doors for people? How do we, how do we create those paths for young women in a in a male-dominated industry? And I'm not, you know, I'm not going to stand up and wave a big flag and. Tell all men to go away because that's yeah it's unreasonable and it's it's the way of the we we have to we we coexist right we we need to figure that out but but how do we how do we make this industry better for younger women and yeah. how do we support um, you know with my experience how do I how do I share how do I mentor people to to come into this business and be excited about this business because it's it's phenomenal people and it is literally two degrees of separation right so. That was my uh, my vision. Plus, I have two daughters. So, how do I how do I try to, to lay a path for them to show? Yeah, you can work. You can do anything you want. right? Yeah. you can work in any business. Um, you you're capable. You're smart. Uh, you can network. You know your stuff. So, how do women in mining was was for me in Toronto a, a small uh, microcosm to be able to start to make. Affects some change, right? Right. And the luncheons and things we do are really focused on, on connecting, t- connecting, and sustain. We talked about sustainability. Um, we've talked about about uh, uh, you know building the mind of the future. Future technical work, right? So we really try to bring in. A broad range of people to talk about all the bits and pieces of the industry, right? And they really are a really are a, a, a great uh, networking opportunity, right? Yeah. And we have our spring fling in May, <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, our, 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 our end of end of end of season kind of gathering, right? Oh, Where we we. we you know, try to get
0: 120, 130 people out just to
1: network and chit chat. Right? Yeah, no,
0: it's important to have those, and it, it's important with these, um, you know, these female-led groups that we're not just focusing on negative things that happened, or, you know, what I mean, that we're focusing on positive things, trying to make change, trying to break new ground. Exactly. Together. We're not,
1: we're not, you know, bashing people. We're not. Yeah. Um, we're really trying to look forward and trying to, trying to, to, to to talk about issues to to uh, demonstrate that, that we have capacity and capability. So,
0: Miranda came into, the, into our office today and she was very excited to show me this quote. So, I would like her to share it with us. Well, today. Uh, thank you, Grace,
1: for this opportunity. It's been phenomenal to have this conversation with you today. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to sort of loop the whole, close the loop on the whole conversation because we ended, you know, we were talking about women in mining. Um, and I came across this quote, which is actually put up by a friend of mine for, on International Women's Day last week. Um, And I think it really applies to, uh, as I said, women as the conscience of the mining industry and how, you know, with us involved, we can help drive the business forward to build sustainable uh, social enterprises. So here's the quote. Uh, The world becomes a better place when women are its caretakers, leaders, and visionaries. We must be mindful of and honor the immense power of women to improve humanity and protect our future. I think we can drive the mining industry forward uh, with this kind of vision and strategy um, to build the, the business of the future in the mining industry.
0: Great. Well, thank you again. And uh, me and Miranda are going to get out of here because it's hot in here. So. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> It's a little toasty. It's a little toasty. Yeah. Thanks, Grace. <laughs> no problem. Bye. Bye.